This week, California reimposed pandemic lockdown restrictions on most of its remaining counties. Major California-based companies, including Google and Apple, let employees know they'll be working from home until at least 2021. But a major driver of the tech economy are venture capital firms, or VCs. They fund the Facebooks and PayPals of tomorrow. So everybody seems to be on lockdown. The question is, are Silicon Valley VCs still open for business? In this edition of Fintech Friday, Fintech Venture Capital, still open for business? I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on August 7th, and this is Fintech Friday, brought to you by Cardlinks. It's great to be with you. The Asian and European economies are slowly recovering, but the United States, the world's largest economy, well, we're still in the midst of a resurgence of COVID-19. Many U.S. states, including the largest state, California, actually reimposed lockdown restrictions this week. Indoor malls, most restaurants and offices were closed anew. Google, one of Silicon Valley's most famous companies, announced it won't bring back its employees to their offices until July 2021. In many ways, much of the technology industry is on lockdown. But in an interesting way, the shutdowns have not really hurt tech companies because, of course, their employees are tech-savvy and they can work from home and be just as productive. Their financial results show that. Apple, another famous California tech company, has had its stock price rise by 50% in 2020. And in the fintech space, PayPal's stock is up 59% in the last 90 days alone. So all is well in Silicon Valley, right? Well, not so fast. There is one critical Silicon Valley industry that does really heavily rely on in-person interaction, and that is the venture capital industry. VCs dole out investments that enable tech companies to grow and prosper. See, every one of the companies I've mentioned on today's show, from Apple to Google to PayPal, they received venture capital money from Silicon Valley VCs. And the way they got that money was by their founders sitting down face-to-face in a conference room with a Silicon Valley VC and pitching their idea that was going to change the world. And if you can't meet in person, it's really, really, really tough for these VCs to make an investment decision. On today's show, We speak with the founder and general partner of Commerce Ventures, an early-stage VC focused on fintech. Dan Rosen leads the firm and helps us answer the question, is fintech venture capital still open for business? Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. And uh, Dan, we're in the same location right here in the heart of Silicon Valley. How long have you been based here? I've been here for almost 10 years. I moved out here from the Boston area at the end of 2010. And 
you know, the reality is right now we're at a really unusual time, not just for investing, but for everything. The world's upside down. COVID-19 is making many businesses shut down. So it sometimes feels like the whole world is shut down. And my question to you is, are Silicon Valley venture capital firms open for business? It's a great question. And I think the answer is yes and no. Um, so I think there's there's certain activities that are part of venture capital and are core to what we do that everybody is still doing. Um, and it's, in many respects, it's, it's, it's most of the job, right? So it's working with portfolio companies, it's uh, interfacing with your investors who, who in our world are called limited partners, um, and it's, seek, it's searching for new investments, which I think everybody continues to do. Um, I think the real question is, you know, are VCs, you know, kind of taking those new investment opportunities that they are finding and converting those into, you know, kind of actually closed new investments? And there it's, it's just harder to say definitively. Um, I think if you look at the data, you know, the deal pace is definitely down for the first half of 2020, as you might expect it would be relative to 2019. I'd say if I just focus on our firm, uh, we have closed three new investments since COVID started. Now there's a little bit of cheating involved there because a lot of people will, will, will quote you stats like that. The real question is how many commitments have you made to entrepreneurs you met for the first time remotely? And there we've, we've committed to three new investments with entrepreneurs that we've never met in, in, in person. Yeah, let's let's continue on that theme. And you know, most venture capitalists base a lot of their investment decision based on that interaction, that personal interaction that they have with with the founder. Many of our uh, listeners are CEOs of, of tech companies or fintech companies, and they might be asking themselves the question: You know, can I raise capital without having the opportunity to meet the venture capitalists in person? It sounds like some of that is actually happening, but how has the process changed? Like, how do you get comfortable with doing a deal? And you might be writing a check for an early stage startup, a half a million, a million dollars. How do you get comfortable making that decision purely based on a video interaction? What I'm hearing from my friends at other firms, it seems as though the level of due diligence and reference checking on the management team has increased. Not that people didn't care about it before, but you know, the importance of it is is higher relative to kind of trusting your own intuition about people from spending time with them. And I think the bar that you have to get over uh, in terms of the quality of, of the feedback or the positivity of that feedback from those references has probably gone up. So, you know, you have to spend more time on referencing and you you have to get probably on average even more positive references in order to be able to make up the ground lost by not being able to develop as strong of an interpersonal read on the the team because you're you're not spending time in person. Yeah. Now, um Silicon Valley is open, um, which is great to know. Deals are being done. What are some of the big trends that you are seeing in the fintech space specifically? Because Commerce Ventures, your firm very much focuses on this area. And and you guys were pioneers. You were one of the earliest funds to really focus on this space. What are some of the trends that you're seeing right now um, in terms of deals getting done? 
for the first half of the year, there's been a very noticeable pickup in interest uh, for investors in wanting to invest in enablement platforms and infrastructure for financial services. There has been a lot of excitement and exuberance over the last five plus years about startups competing head to head with incumbent institutions in financial services. You know, it's been, you know, 60 to 70% of all uh, VC dollars going into fintech have been into those types of fintech players, as opposed to what we would describe as, as enablers. Enablers to us are the, you know, technology companies and infrastructure providers who, you know, kind of enable the plumbing to, to develop, you know, kind of the next generation of digital financial services and, and commerce more broadly. You know, we, we've talked a lot, you and me, about card-linked offers. And, you know, Cardlytics is a great example of, a, of an infrastructure provider. So I think, you know, there's been investment in inf- infrastructure and enabler players over the years. But since the start of the year, the mix has shifted to, to be more heavily in favor of infrastructure and enabler, you know, players um, as opposed to those challenger fintechs. You know, let's talk a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 on fintech specifically, because every business has had to make some changes to its model because of the pandemic. In the fintech space, you know, a lot of the earliest companies were challenger banks, you know, companies that figured out how to lend money in a new and different way, Lending Club, SoFi. Um, And then some of them were also, you know, in the payment space like uh, Square and um, perhaps one of the earliest fintechs that's really made it big, which is PayPal. But many of those companies are having to rethink things. And how are some of these big fintechs changing to adapt to the COVID-19? What do you see as the biggest change that's happening with, with some of those players right now? That's a good question. I mean, I think it depends on where you are in the, in, in the market space, you know, because many um, at-scale fintechs are in the lending business. And um, so, you know, those those parts of their uh, businesses, you know, could could either be challenged, right? I mean, you look at OnDeck and it's hard not to see that, you know, that was a very challenged situation. Um, and, and that's probably why, you know, they, they were only able to fetch the price they were able to, to get in this recent sale. Um, you know, serving SMBs with balance sheet lending is, is I'm sure, a, a difficult space right now. The flip side of that is um, we have heard about several players um, who are very successful in the fintech world who are SMB lending contributors in some way, whether they were the lenders themselves or they were, you know, kind of part of the, the infrastructure or, or, or marketing channel. Um, players like Lendio, players like Numerated, uh, players like Cabbage, who apparently did do very well by enabling you know small businesses to um, to apply for and receive PPP funding. And it's worth noting that players like Square and PayPal and others, like many of them, have you know kind of SMB lending as a component of their business. The flip side is you know digital payments in general have exploded during this time, especially for e-commerce transactions. So, you know, there's this sort of boon of uh, a push away from cash um, and, and check. And um, and so a lot of these companies are, are benefiting from from that. Yeah. Now, you know, I mentioned COVID-19 and obviously that's having an impact on most businesses. But another major force in our economy right now is the Black Lives Matter movement. And there's been a significant amount of scrutiny on the lack of diversity among firms receiving funding from venture capital funds, particularly here in Silicon Valley. 
you know, people focus on the fact that uh, most of the people making decisions about who gets funding or not are predominantly from one particular social group. They often come from some of the best schools in the country, Ivy League schools. Their LPs, the people who uh, provide funding, often are those same um, Ivy League schools and their endowments. So my question to you, is all the scrutiny merited on VCs? Um, and what are VCs doing to increase the diversity of the management teams they invest in? It's a great question. Uh, and, you know, for, first I'll start off by saying the problem very much exists. It's real. Um, so that's, I think, important to, to recognize. You know, what we are doing is we've taken to heart the construct around, you know, it's, it's make the hire, send the wire. I, I, I've heard that mentioned. I think that's, those are the only ways you can really make a difference. Um, you know, I'd say on the make the hire front, what we're trying to do first and foremost, you know, we've created a fellowship. We're calling it the CV Access Fellowship. And it is designed to, you know, kind of bring one per semester college junior or senior in from an underrepresented background as, you know, the equivalent of an intern, but we're, you know, we call them a fellow. We're going to pay them um, to be like the best work study job anybody ever got. And we're going to open up, you know, kind of this ecosystem to them from an educational perspective and have them in meetings and, you know, in, you know, having them exposed to what we do on a day-to-day basis. So they're learning about venture capital, but also about startups and how the whole ecosystem works. In terms of the, you know, send the wire, you know, I think you've just got to be looking for, you know, kind of companies with diverse founders. So we've made a concerted effort to look for deal flow that, you know, with founders that look different or may have different backgrounds than us. And, you know, I'm proud to say we've already committed to two of those companies uh, for investment. And I think we'll, we'll have a lot more ahead. And the other interesting point I'd make is there's such good underrepresented founder deal flow out there. And because of it, there's real opportunity for people who understand how to find those types of founders and how to spend time with those types of founders, because, you know, it's not going to be that have the same level of competitiveness amongst the VC world. And, you know, that, that creates opportunity for, you know, folks who are focused on investing in the space. So I, I hope that answers the question. I know there was a lot in that response. Yeah, great insights, Dan. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, really exciting. And we appreciate all your candor on um, really uh, pulling back the veil on um, investing here in Silicon Valley. So thank you. Awesome. No, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for spending the time. And that's Dan Rosen, um, general managing partner and founder of Commerce Ventures right here in Silicon Valley. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on fintech and meeting in person. Now, I don't know about you, but one thing this pandemic has really helped me realize is how important it is for me to meet with people face-to-face and in person. And in fact, there's a lot of data that suggests that the more healthy in-person interactions you have with other human beings, the healthier you will be and the longer you will live. Yet technology has helped us all weather the pandemic storm and the isolation that it imposes. Imagine how much more difficult the pandemic would have been if we didn't have e-commerce, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, and FaceTime. But yet, 
there'll always be an important place in business for face-to-face interaction. Technology will never fully replace the human element in business and in personal relationships. Or maybe, maybe it will. For FinTech Friday from the Cardlinks Association, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares, signing off.